challenges is that they are just that. It's a challenge, but it's not anything that can't be overcome with God's word and with our staying power and our determination to keep moving. When I say keep moving, I mean don't don't consider it, don't talk about it, don't embellish it, don't worship it. You know, your words carry with them a certain degree of, um, uh, they have an effect on your situation and surroundings. This month at Rejoice Detroit, we got a prophecy that encouraged us to prophesy into the wind. Amen. And the wind of the Spirit would carry your words uh, where, where they need to go so that they can be effective on your behalf. Well, just as we are able, capable of changing bad situations with our words, we can also cause bad situations to remain with our words. And so we have to be careful as believers to not embellish on what the enemy is doing and not build up uh, the, the situation that we want to see removed. You have to make up your mind about it. And uh, make up your mind about how you want to use your words, because your words do have power. And there's a certain intent in our words when we speak things. For instance, many times people, you know, sometimes talking is a way of getting attention. And talking is how we communicate to others what we want them to believe and what we want them to think about us or about other situations it's called manipulation. And you don't want to be a prophetic person and a manipulator at the same time. So you got to make up your mind how you want to use your voice and how you want to use your words. If you want to use your words for good and you want to see good happen, you need to sanctify. Keep it holy. Keep it holy. Yeah, keep it holy. You understand what I'm saying. There's an intent to what we say. And so we have to learn how to use our words to increase, improve, glorify God, change, uh, you know, cause his kingdom to come to pass in situations rather than the kingdom of darkness, which sometimes is, is a bad situation that continues. And I think as you all, y'all remember the day when we couldn't wait to run and tell something bad that happened on somebody. Well, we've grown up from that, you know. Amen. And I can honestly say that most of us carry in our hearts the intent to do good. But there are times sometimes when you just just don't feel up to snuff. Those are the times just to seclude your words, seclude yourself, and allow God to heal your mind and and give you a, a picture of a good future that you can focus on and not focus on what's right here and right now. And so prophetic people learn to discipline themselves, their heart, their words, their thoughts, the whole thing, you know, to think something and say something different is a form of deception. And that eventually catches up with you. Amen. God wants us to be sanctified spirit, soul, mind, and body. And words. Amen? And so when you sanctify yourself, you keep all your little eggs in God's basket. Uh, You're not trying to uh, make something other than what it is. You're dealing with the reality of things, but you're also looking toward a good future. And if things are not the way God's word says they're supposed to be, you want to use all of your effort to see change in that so that your life conforms with the word of God, your body conforms to the word of God, everything conforms to God's word. And so there's an investment that we have to make to make that happen. We have to invest ourselves so much over into his kingdom that we don't want to give what is going on that's not glorifying God. We don't want to give that any consideration, any time, any credit, any any validity, uh, any of that stuff. We just have to to not consider. Uh, does that mean I can't say, well, quit whining, you see? See that little whine in us that wants, well, does that mean I can't never say? You can say what you want to, but it depends on where you want to go. 
if you want to go forward in God, you're going to have to learn these these disciplines. I can remember talking to a, 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 a couple that I knew when I was in the world, a Jewish couple. And I can remember uh, the wife would, would uh, if I would say something that was kind of like offhand, negative about myself, she said, oh, don't ever say anything like that. That's not true. You know, they correct you just like that and snatch that word out of there. Because as, as uh, people who have grown up in a tradition of understanding how to use the power of their confession and covenant people, they would never say their children were worthless. They would never say that they're, they're, they wouldn't, they're never going to have something or they're never going to get there. That word never didn't show up in their conversation. So there was always room left for hope to come for a change to come for something good to come and they realize that the your words are very powerful to to frame your world and so we want to be people who frame a world that is encouraging that's kingdom minded that's going in the in the direction of God's kingdom and so when we have difficulties like the the hell in the middle that we don't uh, glorify it by going on and on and on about it, talking about it, talking about how bad it is and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Always let your words be uh, prophetic words that speak to the kingdom, that speak to the advancement of the kingdom in your life and the life of other people as well. And so we'll, we'll discipline ourselves to do that in this season especially. We'll see more good come from it because of what God wants to do in, in our lives and help us with that. So a good confession will always help you to get to where God wants you to be. Uh, you'll get there uh, in peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. Uh, you won't be fragmented in your thinking. You'll begin to understand God's ways a little bit better, and you'll be lined up spirit, soul, mind, and body with the things of God. So a word in season is one of the great life's one of the great life lessons I've learned in this never uh, make permanent decisions based entirely on temporary circumstances don't make permanent decisions based entirely on temporary circumstances amen it's it's good to just stay rooted in God's word. You know, sometimes doing nothing is the best decision you can make in certain situations. Just allow God. And if you really don't feel confident that God has given you something different to do, just keep doing what you've been doing. You know, I mean, I don't know what else to do. Because I know that if you continue being faithful in what God's given you, you'll eventually get to the end of what it is that challenges you. A close look at David's decisions during his Ziklag experience indicates that he, too, had learned the same thing. So you have to be careful not to allow the devil to pressure you to be hasty in your decision-making. The Bible says, he who believes shall not make haste. Amen. Why, why is it that we don't have to be hasty? I know sometimes people say, well, you know, sometimes it's just an emergency and you got to. No, it says if you believe, you won't make haste. Why don't we have to be hasty in things? Because God already knows the end at the beginning. He's already made provision for everything. And God is not nervous, excited, worried, anxious, fearful about anything. He does everything he does in an atmosphere of peace. Peace is always your bond with God. He's never pushing you to do anything. He's never giving you, uh, you know, you got until midnight to make a decision or we're through kind of thing. You know what I'm saying. He doesn't put that kind of pressure on people, but we know that the enemy will. And so many times those things that we feel pressured about are the enemy's influence in what we're doing. He says, A burning heap of rubble was all that remained of Ziklag as David and his men approached the city limits. With their wives and children taken away, nothing was left but a smoldering memory of what once had been. Such a circumstance, excuse me, would seem permanent to any observer. Man, everything's burned, your kids are gone, you, you know, there are people who lose everything in a fire. 
say, if your house caught on fire, God forbid, but, you know, if that happened, everything would be gone. He said, but while righteous indignation must, must have sprung up in David's heart, he found no place for a panicked response. This was not the time for careless and thoughtless reactions. I'm going to say it again. This was not the time for careless and thoughtless reactions. You know, emotional people sometimes will try to move you to think, say, and do things hastily because they're going to do something in haste. You know, people who make mistakes always like taking somebody else with them. They do. And then when something goes wrong, they have somebody to blame for it. Just a thought. Just think about it. Think about it. You know, somebody comes, ooh, 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 ooh. I said, oh, wait a minute, hold it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You a gorilla? Huh? You know what I'm saying. Let's just calm. God's not hasty about things. He's not excited. He's not in fear. He's not on a time schedule. He's not on any of that stuff. So it's not the time for careless and thoughtless reactions. Amen. People get mad at you if you don't get worked up like they're worked up. Well, you must not care about anything. Remember the disciples? Jesus is in the boat sleeping and they're nervous and they don't you care we're going to die. Don't you care about us? if you're not moved by god don't be moved by anything else you got me don't let anything else move you if god doesn't move you god will always move you to purposeful action and not useless emotion he's not going to fact god will try and calm you down first before he'll even talk to you he doesn't talk to hyped up people it's just the truth says his men were ready to go on a rampage of vengeful destruction Hmm? destruction that's what usually comes through anger and emotion uh, and being wound up about everything it's nothing nothing good is going to come from it but destruction but david took measured steps of analyzed strategy before making his first move the Bible says that uh, uh, greater is the man who rules his own spirit than one who takes a city. So, you know, you can go out there and go find somebody and kill them and see if they got your wife and kids and all that kind of stuff. But wouldn't you rather know where they are instead of just going out on your own looking here, there, and everywhere? Hmm? While everyone was pulling at him for immediate vengeance to be inflicted upon their enemies, David put a hold on everything and said, I need to hear from the Lord. Amen. That's when you, that's when you really make people mad. Amen. <laughs> said, no, I'm going to pray first. I haven't heard from God yet. <laughs> you got me? And that's what you need to do. You don't need to have a bunch of ideas flitting around everywhere you need to be focused and understand and hear what god has to say scripture records in first samuel 30 verses uh, verse 7 and 8 that david called upon the priest and said bring me the ephod the ephod was a priestly garment used at times to seek the will of god when it was brought to him david inquired of the lord saying shall i pursue these raiders shall i overtake them And God answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. You see those two words in there, without fail. People who are not emotional are looking for that. Emotional people could care less. They just want to show that they're upset about something. Or they want to, you know, show that they're angry or they can get mad or they can go do something. But the person who really is seeking God wants that without fail in their, in their doings. You don't want, because anybody who looks at things can say, well, if I get up and do what I think I want to do, there's no guarantee that's going to work. There's no guarantee that kind of stuff is going to work. And so if you're the type of person who seeks the will of God and you seek peace, you're going to make a lot of enemies. You're not going to have a lot of friends. huh? 
Where do y'all sleep this morning? Or That's where your biggest controversy will come from, is the fact that you want to do God's will. Because everybody else wants to do what they want to do, and they want to drag you along with them. Amen? And so if you want to do the will of God, you have to, and people see, people think that's some kind of a, a lie you tell, or a smoke screen, or a pat answer. But really a person who is trying to help you will be trying to help you seek the Lord for your answer. They don't want you to move before you hear from God. You know, people, you, we can't push each other into doing things just because we think it's the right thing to do. Or we think it's something, or you get in that strife with people uh, that they want to do something and they think you don't want them to do it. And you try to keep me from, you know, I don't, I don't go in for all that. I really don't. Now listen, I got better things to do than try to be a hindrance to your life. If you look at my record, I have helped you more than I have hindered you. So why do I change now? You got me? Let's just get real here, folks, and, and stop the shenanigans. Because we're coming into a season where God is going to pour out such a spirit on his people that it's worth making some enemies because you can't be pushed into making a hasty decision. You understand me? You'll be glad at the end of it that you held on to God and you wanted only the will of God and you took the time to seek him. So let's just get real here. It's not about us, really. It's about uh, getting the understanding and knowing the will of God. It's knowing the will of God. Because you don't know what's at the end of that road. Only God does. You know the part that you can see. You got me? We see in part. But God sees the big picture and he knows your position in it. And I always want to be positioned in the will of God so I don't miss. I've spent over 30 years investing in what God wants me to do. Why should I blow it now for a hasty decision? You got me? And David's been David's been uh, through this before already. He went through this with uh, Nabal. Remember when he was going to kill up everybody in Nabal's house because they offended him and he was anointed king. You know, sometimes he'd get in his king thing. And God had to knock him out of his king thing and bring him back into normal thinking, you know. You're not going to, you know, and, and Abigail was a wise woman. He never expected her to prophesy to him like she did. But she read his mail from Tuesday to Wednesday to today, you got me, and brought him right up to where he was now. She said, when you're, when you're in your palace and you're king, you're going to look back at this and say, that was a light thing. And I would have thrown away everything that God had for me for that moment of vengeance. Don't do it. And so, and he obeyed her. He didn't do it. Huh? And when he found out her husband had dropped dead, he said, where that girl, what's the, what's that, what's that girl's name? Go down there and get that girl for me. Huh? I'm marrying her for her mind. <laughs> you know, people knew value then. We need more people like David who, with all his mistakes and all his, you know, shenanigans, he understood the value of spiritual people spiritual things he knew how to go to god to evaluate things we have to be more like that we need to know, learn how to go to god to evaluate things so that we put the correct value on them amen <clears throat> when it was needed most david received a finely focused and personal word of direction from the lord he said pursue overtake recover those are three success words. That's what you want to hear from God. Amen. Go forward, pursue, overtake, recover. Amen. The devil stole this from you. It belongs to you. Yeah, but can I get it back? Yes, you will if you follow my instructions. Amen. So the specific direction came as God's rhema word straight to David's heart for his situation. That's what we all need. You need a rhema word from God. Straight to your heart to fit your situation. 
David employed the Old Testament means of utilizing the priest ephod, a sacred garment associated with worship and typically worn by the high priest. It wouldn't be the only time David sent for it. He also called for it on the occasion of bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. So because David is on the run and there's no priest there at Ziklag with them to inquire of the Lord for him, he can do it himself. You got me? God made these things for us to be able to contact him. Now, if the priests were there, uh, David would use proper channels to do this. But just because it's not the way it usually is, that don't mean you can't hear from God. You got me? That does not mean you can't hear from God. You know, sometimes you get up in the line for a word of prophecy and somebody says, bless you. Huh? That's a word from the Lord. Go sit down. Huh? <laughs> Take that and go sit down. Uh, <laughs> if you want something else, you go to Madam whatever her name is with the purple with the purple globe and the stars and stuff with the neon sign with all that stuff on there, reader and all that, if, if that's what you want. But if you want a word from the Lord, sometimes you will go up there and get nothing. You got me? Me, he don't have nothing to say to you through that person right now. Uh, don't get mad at somebody and want to go talk about them bad and all this kind of stuff. Just go love God, you know. That's what God had for you. <laughs> Listen, if Job could say it, you can too. He said, told this woman she was crazy. He said, don't you think I could receive good and bad at the hand of God? Hmm? You know, we, we, we got it kind of screwed up. Sometimes we think that because we are who we are, but then God is who he is. Huh? Problem with people in the world today, they want too much of what they want all the time. They don't want any discipline in life. <laughs> they don't want to have to invest in anything and breast prayer. Uh, so, so labor and work and all this kind of stuff. You think about it. Now, we, we sit here and we, we pray, most of us. I ain't going to even go there. I'm, I'm, I'm not here to rebuke people for their, you know, whatever kind of prayer life. But, but think of how much you do for God. And think of how you feel you're supposed to be blessed. But think of the missionary that's been doing this for 30, 40, 50 years and slept in a bed and you don't know when and they have less materially than we do. My word is, if you don't like the level you're living at, get busy. Get busy. See, we do a little bit and we think it's so much. Huh? We do. We, we greatly exaggerate the value of what we do. Huh? Greatly. And here are people, just their joy is to serve God every day. And they don't even think of complaining and they're glad to be used by God and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and we, we sit here and we don't want to come to church and we don't want to sow any. Or we sow when we're desperate and then when we get a little something we run off and play with it for you know, the, our problem is that we lack discipline. See, when you when you have discipline in your life, it makes no difference what you have materially. I don't love God more for stuff, and I don't love Him less for lack of stuff. Because huh? I learned that. These are things you have to learn, huh? Like Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content, huh? contentment you want you don't like or dislike your life based on things huh you just immature huh? it's, it is true huh you haven't matured to understand what life is really all about it's about pleasing God not about pleasing you You know, there's a reward at the end of this. You know, you, you're going to hit the dust one day. 
And you're going to stand before Christ and he's going to look for stuff you did for him. I don't know about you, but I'm trying desperately to do as much as I can. Amen. I'm not trying to, to, to be healthy and live long just to be healthy and live long. I want to be useful to the Lord. So David sent for the ephod, and it, it represented worship and the word of the Lord. So it was like his, his prayer closet that he got into. Amen. When they would put that garment on, they would be separated from the world, from their worldly thoughts, from worldly input and worldly desire. They would renounce their emotional distress, renounce complaining and, and you know feeling sorry for themselves, all that kind of stuff. They put that down once they put the ephod on. And they were able to come into a prayer closet in the presence of the Lord. So, the specific direction from God came as a rhema word straight into David's heart for his situation. And so, he he was able to seclude himself in the Lord. The Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. And this is very important. When we come to God, we have to come to him in faith and on covenant terms. Uh, We don't have a covenant of complaining to God. We have a, amen, we have a blood covenant of faith in God and faith and confidence in his word. And so when we come to God, we must come to him on the basis of faith and that faith works by love. So you can't be in a, 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 a negative mood and you can't, you have to stand there and repent and worship the Lord and edify your spirit so that you can contact God. You can't hear from him telling him all this stuff and, and what you didn't know and, and, you know, what you don't have going on and what you don't, and then accuse him of leaving you stranded. You don't love me no more. And, you know, what did I ever do to you? You know, you can't give me this. You can't give me that. No, you've you got to come to him through covenant, you know, you, through the blood and through understanding that God has given you these things already. Amen. And sometimes you need to repent for not having them. God, I, I left this stuff on the shelf all these years because I just didn't believe that you were going to give it to me. You, you understand what I'm saying? We just got to be real here. Go to God and say, this, this stuff is already set aside for me. You know, and there's something in me that's not allowing me to be able to receive it. You just go ahead and, and talk to God. Get that straightened out. So he says, today in this era of New Testament grace, the inspired word of God and the abiding presence of his Holy Spirit in a Christian's heart makes the use of a garment unnecessary and obsolete. So we know it was a type of our own personal prayer closeting in with the Holy Spirit. However, in Old Testament times, God himself had instructed Moses and Aaron in its original use along with the multi-jewel breastplate and utilized them to help signal clear direction to his people. David realized that he had to receive a word from God and it demanded total focus, great intentionality, along with self-imposed isolation to get it. You see that self-imposed isolation? That means you don't need anybody else's input. Huh? You don't need 13 confirmations. You don't need to set out a fleece. You don't need to. Paul said, when God called me to preach, I conferred not with flesh and blood. He said, I immediately conferred, but I went up. I was called away with the Holy Spirit, and God spoke to me. Amen. The things of God. Now, that is not to say that you rebuke your pastor or you rebuke somebody else's in authority's words. Let's be reasonable here. But I'm talking about being nervous about what God told you and going asking 15 different people what they think. Or allowing people who have no legitimate right to access to your spiritual life to come and speak into your life. You got me? I think the safest thing, I know a lot of times people will go and, you know, because somebody spoke at the conference, they'll go to another one of their meetings. You be careful doing that kind of stuff. Because, and I'm not saying they're wrong people, but if God has not sent you there, you know he sent you there 
you're shopping around for something that God can give you if you will spend the time with God in honest communication with him. You got me? We got to stop this insecure stuff, folks. You got to know what's leading you and how you're being led. I've I've complained for years about watching too much Christian television. A lot of that stuff is not worth listening to. And you don't receive half of what's preached here. This is what God's holding you accountable for. And that's not to put me up and put anybody down. But if God assigned you here, you receive what's going on here and do what's expected of you in this. Be faithful here. You got me? Because too much input just keeps people scattered. I've never seen good fruit come from that kind of lifestyle. I've never seen it. I've seen confused, defeat, not knowing what to do. You got me? So let's let's be real here. You know, let's let's stay on the track where God has you so that you can grow and you can prosper. Just because it's available, that doesn't mean you have to partake of it. You see what I'm saying? Don't go chasing people around. You got me? You just just you know, be led, but don't 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 get this anxious stuff about you know, jumping up and running over here because some see you think they're okay because I brought them in for you to listen to, and you think they're to feed you all the time. Don't see, don't make that mistake. You you have to really be led by the Spirit of God. You really do. So let's not get get nuts here. You know, there's there's enough that you can receive and and you know spend time with God. You know, get. You know, strip yourself down to nothing but you and your Bible and God and and just get honest before him and let him build you up and encourage you and help you to be the person he wants you to be. You know, I've, I've never starved for lack of running around to, to people to give me a word. I've never starved for that. Amen. And it's, and it's not because I'm a prophet. It's because I know how to hear from God. See, God settled this with me before I was ever in a church. That's why I understand how to minister to you and get you to understand real relationship with God versus this fictitious stuff that we get involved in where we got to have 15 different people's tapes and books and all this kind of stuff you know i don't even do that and i'm a minister i have books on my shelf i read one page and i know it's no good some of them sit up there unread you understand what i'm saying it just doesn't have anything there and so god knows how to feed you you belong to him amen if you weren't in the right place he'd send you someplace else so we have to come on folks now let's just be real here let's get it get grounded and understand what's for you what's not for you stick with what's for you and master that when i say master i mean master that amen you running around looking for words you should have words for somebody by now yourself and i'm not talking about people in this ministry i'm talking about strangers on the street that you lead to christ Let's go out and produce some fruit. Huh? This is just so, so ordinary, you know. This is ordinary stuff. We should know these things. You know, if you're sheep, you're pinned in to the person that's responsible for you spiritually, you know. I'm accountable to God for everybody in here. You know, I don't know about other people. <laughs> Some people ain't accountable for themselves, hardly. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, so David realized that he had to receive a word from God. Amen. And it demanded total focus, great intentionality, along with self-imposed isolation to get it. Thus he called for the ephod. So that was his seclusion into the the prayer closet that god had for him and stay in that place until you hear from god 
You don't have to be moved to do. If it took David a year seeking God to know that he could pursue and overtake. But circumstances called for if he was to get his his wife and his children back alive. Circumstances called for that to be done fairly quickly. But not so quickly that he didn't need God's guidance. He didn't need God's permission. Sometimes God will say just stay there because it's coming back to you. You got me? And that's that's one of the best ways to be. Amen. That's happened to me many times with lost items. You know, I didn't go anywhere looking for anything. It came back to me. You got me? And so we have to understand that God's in charge of everything. He's not worked up about nothing. He ain't nervous about anything. He's not upset about anything. And he certainly ain't scared of you or the devil. Amen? And nobody that's trying to intimidate you either. Amen? It says, while old covenant attire with its numerous priestly accessories is now a thing of the past, which is no longer required, you will discover that focus, self-denial, and self-denial sometimes comes in the form of not having a fast answer. You know, you got impulses to go do this and impulses to go do that and impulses and an idea comes to you for this, that, and the other. Huh? You need to learn how to deny yourself the luxury of flying off and doing anything. Hmm? Solitude with God are still prerequisites if you ever wish to hear from him. Solitude with God. I got to put on my Christian mute. Nope, that ain't solitude. I gotta put on I gotta put on Pastor Barb's tapes. Don't con me. Huh? You know what solitude is? No noise. No TV. Uh, that ought to kill half the people in here. That's like a stake in the heart. Keep that thing on. The first thing you pop on when you wake up in the morning is a stupid television. The last thing you turn on at bedtime. Solitude with God. Prerequisites if you wish to hear from him. Now if you want to run around like a cockroach in a, you know how you sometimes, you, I, we used when I was a kid, we had them bad. You spray them and they run around like crazy. You know, you run around like a cockroach with raid on you. Huh? <laughs> that's the way some christians you know all you die all the devil got to do is give you a hint of some bad news uh-huh that's like spray a raid on the cockroach you run around like a crazy person solitude with god are still prerequisites if you ever wish if you ever wish to hear from him you've got to get not quote unquote alone I just don't have time you got time to do everything else you want to do it right you want to keep do overs or you want to do it right well it's up to you you like do overs you can do do overs but if you want to do it right you have to get yourself to where you hear from God and God alone Sometimes God will quicken things to you. Now, I channel surf just like you do sometimes. But I don't spend all my time trying to get away from God and listening to what God is telling other people, hoping he has a word for me through them. See, this way is a sure way to hear from him. And my my suspicion is that people often don't really want to hear from God. They want to hear about what God is doing someplace else. Huh? Because you're scared what he's going to tell you. Well, I've been there. Huh? I've run from God in my books and tapes. You understand what I'm saying? I'm right, trying to hear from him. I want to hear something about him getting close to what I need. Huh? 
I'm scared if I ever get just ask him what I need to know. Scared of what he gonna say. Huh? See, you just need a good bloodbath because what what's happened to you is you've lived so much in fear, you got condemned already. Well, as the Bible says, if your heart condemns you, he's greater than your heart. He's still bigger than all your nonsense. Or you say, well, God, I'm just going to spend this time with you. Or you get distracted 15. Dang, I never did do I said I was going to. I never, yeah, more condemnation. <laughs> says at some point it becomes necessary for you to walk away from the noise of your surroundings. Grasp hold of your Bible. Shut the door behind you. And say, God is just you and me, and I can't go any farther until you talk to my spirit from your word. Uh, That's naked and unafraid. Amen. Your heavenly father has made this promise to those who pursue him. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with not a corner and not a need. See, this is where we mess up. We we want things from God, but we don't want God. Huh? You know, some of us receive, and this is the reason you don't get much out of prophecies now. You probably got one years ago that you haven't really done anything with. And some of you, I know, I prophesied to you about being called to the ministry. Did what you wanted to do. Still doing it. When are you going to do that? Maybe this is the day for this. You know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm talking about. You work at it. You stab at it. But you don't ever put everything down and say, God, it's just me and you now. What do I do about that? that I haven't done yet and maybe that's why I still struggle every day with my bills with my family with my this with my that just a thought sometimes you just need this like naked and unafraid Sometimes our prayer requests are just false coverings. Huh? God, I want you to bless me and so and so and so. You don't really, it's just something to say. Because inside of you, there's an emptiness there that's always there. And you and God know it's there. But you don't want to address it. Because you're scared of what the fix will be when it comes to fix it. What's the thought? This is not just you. Ninety-nine percent of Christians never do what God told them to do the first time. They do little bits here and little bits there, but they don't get <coughs> get to the heart of that thing. I'm scared to. You know, we scared. We scared we won't get to do what we want to do. And He's been letting you do it all this time. Huh? Been doing it halfway, not with a lot of fulfillment, all that kind of stuff. We've been letting you do it just to show you that he ain't going to die if you get out there and do some stuff you want to do. But are you content? Are you sure this is what God has for you? Hmm? Are you sure you write smack dab in the middle of the will of God? We're scared of what's going to happen to our stuff if we drop our stuff and go do God's will. It's still about us. That's why I like like the fact that he put this this word in here, self-denial. Ow! That means just to lay there with your Bible. And hug it until God talks. 
Oh, but I got to get up in there. Self-denial. He says there are no shortcuts to this process. Occasionally I meet someone who wants their word and they want it now. They chase words on a frequent basis. Attempting to get their fix in order to make it through one more day. See, when your pastor's a prophet and you rather have a word from somebody else, there's something wrong. You don't want me to give you a word. <laughs> That's why I let, I let you have your prophecy line all day long and all day long. But I'm still here. <laughs> you don't want me in your mix. I said, well, how's it going with so-and-so and such and such and such? Yeah, I have to ask. <laughs> See, that's why you don't want you don't like this conclusion with the Lord thing. Huh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. But see, we want revival. We want a move of God. We want to be used of God. Mm-hmm. You gotta get naked. And unafraid first. So they want their fix in order to make it through one more day rather than consecrate themselves to prayer and the study of the scriptures. See, that's the tried and true way to hear from God. He'll talk to any of his kids like that. You know, coming through another vessel is secondary. You have to do that. They would rather accept what often could be no more than a random prognostication of a third party. He says, I well remember visiting a revival meeting several years ago. I'd heard about the speaker and his well-advertised flow and spiritual gifts, and I wanted to learn more about his ministry. I was somewhat surprised when this minister called for me to come forward and receive the prophetic word he claimed to have for me. With much reluctance, I obediently moved forward and found myself standing before him. At that point, things got very interesting as he said to me, your sickness is not unto death. He had my attention. Now, I must admit that I, although I've been somewhat discouraged over a few matters I have been facing physically, I was doing well and had a recent doctor's report to confirm it. I certainly had no clue that I had become terminal with some unknown malady. Immediately, I had an overwhelming desire to get out of the building before I was given another word, but it was too late. He had, an, he had another word installment for me. The auditorium was reverently quiet as everyone there listened to what the minister was speaking to me. Then he said it. The Lord would have me say unto you, thou shalt not die as long as you live. You shall not die as long as you live. See how it sneaked by you the first time? He said, with that, the people went wild with an ovation of thunderous applause, and I went home. I had learned about the minister all I really needed to know. Now, that's a, that's a rare, rare occurrence. You know, now people are, are more skilled. You understand what I'm saying? And more accurate in prophecy. So I don't think that's the, the routine but this is the way it can go off the rails some, sometimes. You see that. It said, distributed through the, throughout the body of Christ are scripturally authentic gifts, including the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. However, occasionally there will arise unqualified wordsmiths that may mean well, but have no scripturally legitimate foundation to stand upon when attempting to speak for God. And one of the things that I do, if it's a word I know is for a minister, and I'll ask them if I have permission to speak publicly what God has given me for them. And if I have a sense that it's not for the public, I'll just hold it until I can get private with them. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we tend to make our gift a platform 
for attention for ourselves. You know, and the, the uh, you know, if we can get a minister up there, we feel that we're really powerful. You know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. So, you know, it's hard sometimes to take all the flesh out of all of this stuff, but there are ways to safeguard yourself because you want to have an accurate word for people. And I'm not big on everybody speaking into the life of people who are called the ministry gift offices. You know, you have to be careful. Because you derail a true ministry gift of God and you've done some damage to, to God's kingdom. So you, you can't really risk all that kind of stuff. So, and I always encourage you guys to, you know, don't be so quick to want to talk to these preachers and tell them everything. And, you know, want to be in their head and all this kind of stuff. You know, we, we have to really have honor for the gift of God. and. One way to honor is to keep your hands off of their business. You know. It's just like, you know, prophets that always want to prophesy to famous people. You need to stay away from them people's business so much. You know, just if God calls you that way and you have a word from, cool, give it and, and move on. But let's not try to get prominent, you know, blow up off of other people's lives. <clears throat> Know this, if and when God chooses to use someone to share a word specifically targeted to you and your need, it should flow from the firm and valid foundation of Scripture. Otherwise, it may only be conjecture and inventive thinking. When David inquired of the Lord and received immediate instruction for him, he understood the direction. See, any word that you follow has to speak to your heart to begin with anyway. Got me? It's got to register in your heart. Other than that, you cannot follow it. He received what's flowing out of the Father's eternal word, will, and kingdom plan to secure victory for those called by his name. A new vision. The Lord's word today that came in response to his original two questions. So, number one, God will answer. If there are questions you have, God will answer them. You got me? And number two, he will give you enough encouragement so that you can move out in what he tells you to do. So that word is there and it's in strength and it's empowered, it has direction, has timing on it. You know if you're to move out now or if you're to wait before you move out. And so you, you have to, it, it gives you all, it fills in all of those empty spaces for you. So that you're confident in what you're going to do. He said God wasted no time or words with his response. He, his answer to David was pursue and recover all. With that direction, David began to cast a new vision filled with hope and restoration. That's what you need. You want to move from discouragement and defeat to where you get hope to move out and go do something. You know, And an accurate word from God will definitely do that for you. Suddenly, all of David's men came out of their depressed and desperate state of mind and renewed their allegiance to their leader. So you can also tell by the fruit if it's God. You got me? Before, everybody was going to his, they were scattered, trying to stone David, want to kill him. Now, they're encouraged just like he is in their rally behind him. And so you can tell when somebody's heard from God as a leader if they can get other people under their authority. Knowingly or unknowingly, they seized a principle of faith that proved to be the key that unlocked the door to their season. The principle is this. You must see with eyes of faith what you heard God say with ears of understanding. Amen. You've got to, got to have both of them. They began to call those things that were not as though they were. So when you begin to drape vision around what God says, then you are moving closer into your new season of victorious living. In his mind, David could see his family restored before he ever found them. Amen. His soldiers saw their children safe again. They lifted their eyes from the scorched remains of yesterday and gazed upon the brilliant promise of 10,000 tomorrows. Leaping upon their horses, they rode toward a battle that was won before they shot the first arrow. Okay? So that's what we want. We want that confidence in us of victory before we make the first move. The scriptural account of the battle is thrilling. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. 
So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Amen. Amen. Wasn't supposed to have two, but they was his, and they wasn't the devil. You got me? I remember that sometimes. You know, people, don't be afraid to repent when you know you've done the wrong thing. You understand what I'm saying? Because God's a merciful God. Amen. You know, and I'm not saying go out and sin willfully and then come say you're sorry. That's not repentance. You got me? It's... But nothing of theirs was lacking. Amen. God would rather see you with it than to see the devil have it. Unless you're going to make a, a career of being a criminal. Now, if you want to be a career criminal, he ain't going to support you. Amen. So anyway, David recovered all. Sometimes he lets you keep stuff for the sake that the person that you that's gonna somebody else might suffer loss if if you if you're rejected they're rejected by you. Looking back over this amazing story, I've come to realize that David's Ziklag season was more about where he was going than where he was at the time, and definitely more than where he'd been. Within the three days of this battle, David became the recognized king over Judah and soon over all Israel. You know, if God's going to put you in charge of things, he's got to make sure that you'll be responsible totally for them. You can't be a person that that has a, a track record of broken families, broken lives, broken hearts, and keep thinking you're going to increase, increase, and increase. You know, when some when a loss comes under your watch, God has to see that you're willing to repent and try and recover and make good before he will move you on to something else. David became the recognized king over all Israel. Satan attack on you is a diversion. You got me? It's just a distraction. Something to keep you from being focused 100% on what God has for you. It's his attempt to rob you of your destined place in God. I don't care what the attack is. It can be a, a illness. It can be a messing with your money. You know, just say, God, take care of these things for me. I'm keeping focused on where because I see what the enemy is trying to do now. Because if he can scatter your attention and scatter your focus, you'll never go forward. You'll never make any progress. You're always worried about, well, this over, he messing with this one. Let me go over here and put out this fire. No, don't put out no fires. Just keep yourself laser, laser focused on what's ahead. See it for what it is. Looking back over my life, I've experienced what I identify as some primary seasons of tremendous kingdom enablement. The secular world would identify them as promotions, but I see them for what they truly are. I've been blessed at some strategic times in my life to have been providentially aligned to participate in increased kingdom expansion. I cite this to simply acknowledge that prior to every advancement, there has been at least a brief interval of immense spiritual and at times even human confrontation when my faith was extremely tried. In the past, I've waged war with the enemy over various matters where compromise and negotiation were out of the question. Regardless of what I may have faced before, nothing arrests my soul like an attack on my family. Paul and I are parents of three beautiful daughters, now grown and joined their families and varied careers. Each of our girls is a story of God's wonderful and unique blessings in our lives, and they've each brought us tremendous joy through the years. Like every family, we've had our dramas, too. Our family portraits, complete with smiling faces and formal poses, don't tell the whole story. That little Christmas postcard we sent out in 1993 showing us standing by a snowman with Paula holding our little cocker spaniel puppy and me sipping a steaming hot of hot cup of hot chocolate doesn't come close to describing everyday life. What I'm about to relay is a little more in line with the reality that most people experience. We had just returned from the university commencement exercises on Saturday. One of our girls had graduated with a business degree, complete with a four-point grade average uh, over four years. She had even been selected as one of the 
uh, to give one of the speeches about her university experience during the program. We laughed, had a cookout, and beamed with joy while handing over to her the keys to a new car. She had worked hard, and I was thankful we could give it to her. On Sunday morning, she awakened early, packed a new car, moved to Ohio, where she quickly found a good job with a bank in Columbus. Gifted in music and an incredible lyricist, she began to write songs that caught the attention of a producer and promoter of rock music. It wasn't long before the call came that my daughter, uh, with a business degree, was making good money, would now be joining and traveling with a rock band. Success came quickly as they acquired recording contracts. Now, this is the thing. If you're singing for God, you may sing for pennies forever. But you step out into the world and see what won't come to you real quick, folks. Though extremely proud of her talent and elated at her ability to write, our hearts became heavy as we followed her tour schedule on the Internet, realizing the kinds of venues where she was performing. Often were the nights that Paula sensed alarm in her spirit and would find her way to our child's bedroom and fall across the bed with tearful intercession. She did it so frequently that on the occasions when our daughter would visit us at home, she would ask about the smell of Paula's perfume emanating from the bed. So the wife had made herself a home. According to the press releases and CD reviews, they were attracting a good fan base. Meanwhile, our four years while Paula and I traveled around the world preaching and giving altar calls so other people's children could be saved, in our minds and hearts, we were fighting a war for the soul of our own daughter. More than once while I was preaching or carrying out church business, I was under a barrage of heat heat-seeking missiles of condemnation from the enemy. I remember one night in Spain watching as hundreds of young people responded to the opportunity I extended for them to come to know Christ. While I rejoiced at that moment, I later went to my hotel room and muffled my groanings in a pillow as I wept for my child. I could only find sleep after reading aloud every scripture I could find about household salvation then claiming them as personal promises for my own family. Four years went by. Four years of Paula walking down the hall and falling across that bed. Four years of my following the band's tour on the website than wishing I hadn't, because I'd rather not have known the kind of places they were playing. Four years of putting on a face and taking a deep breath before walking on a stage to try and help somebody get, get through their spiritual ziklag. Some things are, are about your endurance. That ought to make everybody smile. You know why? Because that will make you rest when you're trying to figure out what to do next and what to do here. And why I don't have this and when am I going to get mine. You got yours already. <laughs> All right. We just don't recognize it. Huh? We got ours. We just don't recognize it. Hmm? Another lesson I've learned along the way is this. There are some things you'll go through that are more for your endurance than for your achievement. If you made it through, you got it. You got what you were supposed to get. Huh? <laughs> Like David, we offer inquired of the Lord. In those moments, Paul and I found the drive to keep praying and carrying on our ministry to others. Then something happened just days after my early morning encounter when I received the Amos 9.13 promise of expedient favor and accelerated blessings. To this day, I don't know exactly what it was. I don't have to know and haven't ever asked. What I do know is that one day my daughter called home and relayed to her mother that the band was ending. She then began to unfold a dramatic encounter with Jesus that came as a result of a friend's testimony of grace in her own life. Amen. 
It wasn't long until our daughter returned home and began a journey of discipleship that has renewed her faith as well as our own joy in the Lord. Amen. See, when, when, when God does something, he does it right. Amen. She didn't come home looking for a ministry in the church and looking for this. And look. She sat at Jesus' feet and started to learn so she wouldn't make the same mistake twice. We want too much too fast from God, folks. He ain't the one. I'm going to tell you, if you want everything you want on a silver platter immediately, God ain't the one. It, it, he never promises you it's going to come like that. Amen. He promises, though, if he, who, he who endures to the end will be saved. Amen. Whatever your struggle may be today, see it for what it is. It's a hellacious middle between where you've been and where you're destined to be. Your season is about to change, and the enemy's struggles you have today only verifies it. Four little words describe the tremendous victory that David experienced over the Amalekites. Four small words that ring with triumph, and David recovered all. The Amos 9.13 season. Amen. Amen. He recovered all. The Amos 9.13 season is about recovery and God-ordained reversal. What the evil one designed for your harm and ultimate destruction will be repealed by the intervening power of your Heavenly Father. You too shall recover all. Amen? Because, amen. God is no respecter of persons. Miss Nola, why don't you chuck, you free to <laughs> He's no respecter of persons, folks. And you're in this season so that you can recover everything that the enemy has stolen from you. Amen. Praise God.